0: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the Biblical Five-Point Covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling.
1: Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Worldview Media Podcast. Hello. My name is Gordon Runyon and the hello bird here with me is my wife, Joyce. (laughs) Well, very good. (laughs) We're here on a lazy snow day, a rare snow day in eastern New Mexico. And we're here to review a movie that was suggested to us just a few days ago by a listener. And the movie we're, we're uh, analyzing is called There Will Be Blood, starring Daniel Day Lewis. Hmm. I had never heard of this movie before. Had no, you?
2: never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: Uh, This is a bit of an unusual movie. It, uh, there's a lot that's kind of unusual about it. And I guess the plot of the movie is that Daniel Day-Lewis plays a oil driller, an oil prospector, named Daniel Plain Plainview. Plainview. Mm-hmm. And it's set... At the turn of the 18th to 19th century, mm-hmm. it really no, covers a lot of 19th time. 19th to 20th century, late 1800s to early 1900s, and so. Did you ever get where exactly it was? Was it California? I guess I it think must they have had been. to have been in California because yeah.
2: towards the end they run that little pipeline and right. yeah. Um,
1: okay, so still kind of rough and tumble days. And so it centers on Plainview and his prospecting. I think the first scene shows him in kind of... Uh, it almost felt like maybe gold rush days in California where he's got his own little hole in the ground that mm-hmm. he's chipping away at. And Kind
2: of accidentally.
1: Well, he is looking for it, but he discovers... Silver or gold first. And then as he's digging more, he strikes oil. Mm -hmm. And things progress pretty quickly in terms then of his own wealth and stature and his growth as an oil man. Mm -hmm. Along the way, he picks up an orphaned young boy and kind of adopts him as his own son.
2: Did you, I mean, I didn't know for sure if that was his dad or not. Because, you know, it was just this baby at a campsite. Really out of place.
1: It it wasn't terribly clear, but I did believe when I first saw the scene where it showed the baby and whoever the guy was at the oil well that was taking care of that baby, Mm -hmm. I thought they were related. I thought they... the man was the dad. Mm-hmm. But then the man gets killed in an accident. And and then Daniel Day-Lewis' character takes him and raises him as his own. So I did think that's the way it happened.
2: Okay.
1: I, it wasn't terribly clear, though. No. He could have just been, like, paying a guy to be watching his child mm-hmm. while he did this stuff or whatever.
2: Well, that seemed a little... Ambiguous to me. Yeah, right. So maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but <laughs> however, he winds up with this kid yeah. who he calls his son. So,
1: yeah, and the plot of the whole movie is really just Daniel Plainview trying more and more to make more and more money, and, mm-hmm. and he'll do it by, he's not above swindling people. Uh, one of the things that I f- thought was weird about the movie or was different is that. I didn't feel like Daniel Plainview was a sympathetic character. Uh, I there wasn't much to identify with for me. He was the main character but yeah. Would you really call him a protagonist? He uh he wasn't a hero at all he turns out to be kind of a murderous crazy man. Yeah. You know. And so I thought that bit was weird. The other thing I noticed was the strange music that they played as a soundtrack. It was it was generally just kind of dissonant uh, chords, mm-hmm. and not really chords, because like I say, they weren't harmonious and stuff. And there was a lot of dissonance in the music, and sometimes it's just kind of It seemed to me for long periods of time, it was just kind of this sustained background of dissonance going on. And then if I I miss my guess, somebody can correct me, but I felt like the only time the music changed into harmonious tones was in conjunction with this Daniel Plainview guy doing something that was either questionable or evil.
2: Mm.
1: You know, after he shot the first guy that he killed... Mm. I think the music changed into harmony, and then became harmony at the end after his second murder, and uh, so I thought that was kind of strange. Did you notice any of that, or I didn't
2: notice the music, but I think if if the music is a reflection of the main character, yeah, that that's probably kind of how he.
1: That's what I was thinking. Kind of felt. The music was kind yeah. of a metaphor for his own psyche. Or so
2: um, he was a very different character. He was a
1: sociopath when it comes down to it. Well, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, probably. He confessed
1: to hating everybody. and
2: Yeah. Was real quick to threaten people. and, <laughs> um, and Then the other side of this, there was a, a young boy who fancied himself a, an oracle of God. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Okay, so the second main character that we have was called Eli Sunday. hmm And Eli, short for Elijah, like the prophet Elijah. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday kind of being church day, and I, I felt like maybe the name was, was supposed to have some reference to his character or at least the character he pretended to. Mm-hmm. And the issue is that in the American West, before things were terribly settled, uh, Christianity kind of took a beating, you know, in terms of there were a lot of just whack nuts out there preaching and starting churches or being circuit riders. Yeah. I mean, there was a price to pay for the fact that the Methodists and the Baptists pretty much ordained you to go be a pioneer preacher just based on the fact that you had both a horse and a Bible, and, and that was about it.
2: Yeah. Well, this and, guy didn't have either, really.
1: R- right. If he had a Bible, <laughs> the, it was missing from whatever he did. So yeah. Eli Sunday turns out to be just the worst kind of charlatan. You know, he if, uh, if the producers of the Trinity Broadcasting Network sat in on a service at Eli Sunday's church, they'd be like, dude, you got to rein it in a bit, you know, you got to calm down with the heresy and stuff. And, and, uh, so he was the worst, he was horrible. And it was obvious really right from the start that he's not, he's not a Christian at all. And he, he's in it for the money or
2: for me. I saw the whole movie as a uh, contrast of two characters seeking power through different means. Oh right, and uh, even though it has a a church in it and church people and prayer and things like that, it really um, I don't think it really held true to what a view with God. Sure. Oh no. Would. Right um would represent
1: no it was all horrible it
2: was yeah it so was terrible even though it looks like oh well there's this church and oh they're this and oh, they're that and oh, there's healings and you oh, know there's, and, oh, there's, <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> salvation and um it really it was a facade as much as the other character was a right. facade they were both they were both just out for themselves and right. would use whatever means to yeah. achieve that
1: Well, when I was thinking about the fact that the preacher's name there was Eli Sunday and that that was almost certainly intentional to just kind of talk about what kind of character he was or thought himself to be, I started thinking about the fact that the main guy's name was Daniel Plainview, and it occurred to me that Plainview was the one guy who saw through Eli Sunday from the very get-go. He saw him exactly for who he was right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And his his view of him never changed and never wavered and it and it turned out to be exactly right. You know, he nailed the guy. Even got him to confess loudly that he was a false prophet, and and for him God was just a superstition that he could use for his own purposes and stuff. And,
2: well, but I think for me, that was just him turning the table on the guy. Like he Oh, had she, had oh yeah, he had it and, coming. Uh, in. You know, he had to make a confession himself, Daniel did. Uh, right. and, um, so, I don't know. I, I didn't like the movie. I didn't really... It was you know, just what was, weird. What was the message <laughs> in that? You know, what are you supposed to walk away from there with? And I just come up with nothing good. So... It, well...
1: If it's about that struggle for power that you're talking about and the two different means that were used, then it's kind of a maybe a morality tale in that seeking power by either one of those means is gonna wind up being destructive to you or or that they both kinda wind up in the same place and uh so it's wrong for
2: Well, do they really both wind up in the same place? <laughs> <laughs> well, they sure did. I mean I felt like they did. Well, I don't know. Eli was they were both in the same room, but uh, I don't think they were quite in the same place.
1: Well, I mean, it it both winds up at at death and destruction and uh, plain view. Even though he got everything that he was looking for, he winds up losing it. It's all, you know, it's all well. It's teetering it's on empty. the edge. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing. And he was
2: never satisfied. It never
1: made him happy with right? anything. Yeah. Yeah, loses the one bit of family that he that he had, and and all of that. So it's all about loss and death, and and all of that as being kind of the the in point of that yeah. desire for power.
2: I do think um, Eli's family, of course, knew the truth about him as well, but uh, you've got all these people carrying secrets that nobody wants to divulge. So I don't know. It just it wasn't my sort of movie. It was. Uh, it was interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, I didn't like the storytelling. There were there were some things like who the child really belonged to. I thought were ambiguous, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and I thought there were times when it just drudged along. Yeah. It was a, just
2: even the opening. I don't even think there was any dialogue for. No,
1: I was thinking, what's it been? Fifteen minutes, and we haven't you know, heard anybody yeah. say anything. So
2: it was just, it it was a different look at cinema. (laughs) Yeah,
1: No, it was, it was definitely off the beaten path. And it's, there were times I thought it just moved horribly slow and I'm willing to see the pace slowed down a little bit, but, uh, man, this was rough on me, I think. (laughs) So I'm kind of with you. It's, uh, I can see maybe there's some. In terms of, in terms of just pre, uh, presenting people with a warning about the lust for power, whether it's by money or by uh, by religion or whatever, that uh, you know, I can maybe see some value in it as a morality tale and a warning. I I did think that Daniel Day Lewis was the best thing about the movie. I thought his. I mean, I'm not familiar with him very much at all, but mm-hmm. the name is familiar to me. I don't know what else he's done, but yeah,
2: I, I didn't really know any of the. But I thought it, so.
1: I thought he did a good job. I thought he was a fascinating character. Well, he
2: he pulled it off. I mean, he carried this. Yeah, and there were times when and...
1: there were times when things that he said made me laugh, and and I also thought it was funny that. He said a bunch of times that he was in favor of plain speaking, and that was right before he lied to people. You know, <laughs> so I
2: thought that was kind of fun. Well, everything was a ruse for him. You yeah. know, he had this shiny little kid that he carried with him, and this is a family business, and we do things yeah. in a family way, and we're going to take care. of This family is going to take care of your family, and he was just going to take care of himself.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right. Any other overall impressions?
2: Well, it's not really my cup of tea.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, it wasn't mine either, but I think part of me wants to give it some credit for trying to kind of go outside the usual, outside the boundaries, kind of press the envelope a little bit and Mm -hmm. tell a different kind of a story in a different way. I'm I'm just not sure how successful I think it was. Yeah. For me, it just kind of wound up being strange.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I... I don't know. You feel the same? Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's take our break and we'll come back and we'll start applying the points of the biblical covenant to there will be blood. Stand by.
0: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology.
1: All right, we're back to take the movie, There Will Be Blood, through the points of the five-point biblical covenant. I'm your host, Eli Plainview. (laughs) 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 All right, so uh, the first point in the biblical covenant is transcendence. And in the Bible, this is always talking about God. Uh, In the ancient Near East, it was talking about conquering kings. Uh, The king gets to make this covenant because he is victorious and he's magnificent and he's done all this good stuff. And and in the biblical covenant, God is the ultimate law giver and the creator and sustainer and redeemer. And that's why he gets to say and, and be in charge of the covenant. So the question that we want to ask in the story that we've been told in this movie, what is transcendent? Do you have any ideas?
2: Well, I still think it's just, it's just a regular worldview that people are in charge. You control your own destiny. You get power for what you can. And uh, there really is no, um, higher authority than yourself if you can get right. away with it then yeah you know more power to you <laughs> well
1: right my suspicion is that the well we're getting i'm already mm-hmm. leaping to point two but i almost feel like uh that the the writer the makers of the show probably meant to portray a movie that kind of justified Daniel Plainview's way of approaching life, uh, the uh the extremely dim view of of humanity and of people and uh like you said, that kind of do it your own way, make your own rules, sort of mm-hmm. humanism. And and then I think that you know, I as a Christian and as a as a Baptist minister, I look at Eli Sunday and think, you know he's the worst. He's horrible.
2: Well, he's the same. He's the same. Right,
1: same character in different garb. But I hate to see it in a in a Christian garb. You know, he would be my enemy in real life if he was real. You know, and yeah. Uh, but I kind of, I kind of wonder if they included him as a uh, as an attack on all religion. You know. Um.
2: 'Cause there was Yeah, I mean I can see that, but I I can also say unfortunately I've known people within the church and powers of position that were pretty similar to this Eli character. <laughs> Just not as
1: outlandish.
2: Yeah, I mean yeah. they didn't wear his clothes. <laughs> right. <laughs> they weren't maybe as, as crazy in their talk, but yeah, um definitely there's abuses of power even within sure. the church. Yeah, yeah. And especially within cults, I mean, that's, it's all about power within cults, having people bend to your will and having them to be terrified to do anything against what you say. And and it's all power. And so, um, it, it's not, um, it's not a view I'd like to see, but I I think it happens more than we want to admit that it does. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's my, I guess that's part of my struggle is, Precisely because I believe in the God who is truly transcendent. I can analyze this Eli Sunday guy and peg him as a false prophet and, and a charlatan and a villain. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wonder if that was what the makers of the movie were trying to say, or if they were trying to make a more expansive point that all religion is really just a maybe a milder version of what Eli Sunday is doing.
2: Well, I'm gonna to have to think <laughs> probably the worst of those two, just because the the people I would be highly surprised if they held a different view themselves uh, right. you know you're when you write something or you're working on something like this, it's gonna reflect you uh,
1: yeah, that's my thought
2: and so you know, I think that's probably their opinion of religion,
1: yeah. I'd agree with that. I think that's where I come down. And so I'd agree. It's a, the, if there is a transcendent message or a theme there, it really is what you're saying that the best you can do is try to be guided by your own sense of conscience. And, you know, there was a, there was a moment in the story where it shows that. We don't see it happen, but apparently Daniel Plainview said something to the girl's dad who was abusing her mm-hmm. and, uh, and and basically threatened him. And, and you know, it, uh, there at least, I think that's the closest thing you had to a redeeming quality in Daniel Plainview is that he hated hearing about child abuse
2: and... Uh, I don't even know if that's really the case. I think he, he saw a place where he thought that that was probably wrong. Yeah. And so he did something about it because he could. Right. Because again, he had that power where he could uh, usurp it over somebody. Yeah. And you're going to do what I tell you. Yeah. I don't, I don't really see him. As a very uh, sympathetic character, you know, no. that he would really no, care either. about somebody else that much. And it was probably just because his son happened to mention it. And yeah. he thought the kid was a whack nut with uh, Eli anyway. And so he just was like, well, you know, this ain't going to happen anymore. Because he did kind of see, he saw through through that family.
1: Oh, didn't just see through Eli, but saw through the older the man as well, the father. Well, I
2: think so. I think you've got to see that when he goes in and sits down with him to talk about buying the farm. Yeah. And the dad is, he's a pushover. The son's the one saying this is what's going to happen and (laughs) this is how we're going to do it and you'll do these things for us or we won't do it. Right. But the dad
1: still had an agenda uh, there that he wasn't being completely forthright about, I think. He was just Mm -hmm. incompetent about trying to get what he wanted.
2: Well... But then you see later in the in the movie when his son confronts him and bullies oh, him yeah, and right and I don't think that's that was just something that we saw unusual happening that one time. It's just we saw it as a as an audience. I think that was probably the kid figured that out a long time ago, and um as kids grow up and find that they can be strong and overpower people around them they you know that sometimes that's what they do
1: right. <clears throat> So you're saying that, well, I think it's kind of obvious that Eli Sunday chose to pursue power through kind of this uh, this religious fiction that he had developed around himself because he was kind of small and, you know, he wasn't physically intimidating to very many people. But when he felt like he could physically intimidate his own father, he was perfectly willing to move in that direction and and do that, so what's transcendence then? Just make your own rules uh get away with what you can get away with or, or something like that Is that kind of the
2: yeah, I think it's just a, the
1: overarching rule.
2: You know it's a very naturalistic view of, yeah, you know we've got what we have right now, and you better make the most of it, however you can,
1: right, survival of the strongest, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, then I think we've already mentioned point two of the covenant is representation, and I think we see then that that concept represented in both of the main characters, yeah. And maybe also in, in the boy H. W. Plainview. Maybe as he, as he, well, really I'm thinking about when he was kind of in an adolescent stage and uh, striking back at, at Daniel Plainview and kind of out, you know, uh, lashing out against him maybe that's a expression of that same concept he just lacked the power to do what he wanted to do you know uh but then he burned the house down and stuff like that and, uh but then right at the end he finds a way to escape but still because of his own personal ability and power to do it you know
2: yeah well i think out of all the characters, I probably feel the worst for H.W. Oh,
1: oh yeah. He was you the know? most sympathetic, for yeah. sure.
2: And he just, uh, you know, he didn't know anything but what he was raised with. And still, the incident with the fire, I didn't know if that was so much him lashing out. Why he was lashing out. Was it because this other guy shows up and he's feeling kind of displaced? Oh, I Cause know. Because it was always him and his dad, and now suddenly, you know, he's got this disability, and... He's kinda of pushed off to the side and here's this other guy just stepping right in and and taking over where he felt he should have been. I don't know.
1: Well, and you talked about what he's been raised with. Daniel Plainview's whole thing is that he's angry and he hates everybody and therefore whatever he does is justified. And that's kind of what he's been raised with. Mm-hmm. And now maybe he's feeling sorry for himself because of his injury or whatever and, or what you're saying and, and hey, so that justifies whatever he feels like he wants to do. Yeah. All right. So, well, that's pretty, that's pretty depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: that's why I was like, man, I didn't really care for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: So we get to ethics and I guess the justification for ethics is involved in what we're saying here. Point three is about what you should and shouldn't do. And uh, like we've been saying, ethics in the movie is justified by just the fact that you can do it, and you can Mm -hmm. get away with it, then you can do whatever you want. There are some moral crises in there that I thought were interesting. Uh, Daniel sending H.W. away just to get rid of him because he was at his wit's end about how to take care of him or what to do for him. You know, he he obviously wanted to see him learn and be educated and, Mm -hmm. and taught after he lost his hearing and all of that. So he did, I think there was part of him that did want to do what he could for him but he got to yeah. his wits end about him and then
2: well i think for me i see that he really did care for the boy and probably loved him in the way that he could love him yeah and when he was injured and running out and finding him and bringing him back and right and then making sure he's okay and then going off and making sure you know everything's fine with that um with that one well but uh he he didn't understand how to help him so Okay, I'm going to send him off to school. Right. We're going to send him somewhere else, but he realizes he can't go and do that. So, he's going to send the boy with somebody else, but he can't he can't tell the boy any of this stuff <laughs> because he's deaf, you know. Yeah. So, I think that's really where things started to kind of switch for Daniel in his relationship to HW. Yeah. Because suddenly he wasn't there anymore, and he was still functioning fairly well. He had things to keep him busy and then maybe he starts thinking, well, this boy, he's a nice boy, but I don't, he's not really anything to me. Oh, yeah. And so there's that disconnect between them starts really then when he sends him away. Right. And he can still.
1: uh, Well, the scene in the church where Eli kind of made him confess out loud several times that he had abandoned his boy Mm -hmm. and you could tell that Mm -hmm. really made him very angry why did it make him that angry? I, I I guess what I'm suspecting is that on some level he did really feel bad about it. And, you know, if you had asked him about it from day to day, he probably felt like he did what he could do and didn't really have much choice. But when he's kind of forced to confess to abandoning the kid, man, that really makes him mad, you know.
2: Well, I can see what you're saying, but it also made him mad when another oil person came in and said, well, we'll pay you all this money and then you can take care of your boy. Oh, yeah, right. And that made him really mad. It made (laughs) him so mad that he said, you know, I'm going to come to your house in the middle of the night and I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And was that because he thought he had abandoned his kid or because somebody was telling him this is what you should do with your life, or somebody was trying to take authority over him and have power over him and say, uh, now you're going to do these things because I'm going to allow you to do them. And so, um, yeah, he got angry, but why was he really getting angry? Right, right. And I do think, like I say, I do think he cared for the boy on some level, but he liked to be an autonomous man. You know, nobody...
1: Oh, yeah, you're not gonna tell him what to do for sure, yeah, and then the other one of the other ethical uh problems that I thought was interesting were was uh, well, I just like the line when the when Eli Sunday came to Daniel in the middle of the work day and demanded to be paid what he had thought he was owed and Daniel like literally drags him through the mud and and kinda of beats the beats the tar out of him a little bit. I really liked what he what he demanded of him. Like uh you've set yourself up as this prophet, as the oracle of oh God and mm-hmm. you're doing all these healings. How come you're you're you haven't done anything for my son? And and that was just an expression of the fact that, like we said, he had seen through him right from the very beginning. He knew he was a joke and a caricature. Yeah. And then there was the ethical conundrum about the guy came in claiming to be Daniel's long-lost half-brother.
2: From another mother. Right, brother from another mother. A real line in the movie. <laughs> <You're> right.
1: <laughs> and... And then once Daniel figured it out that that, that, that was a fake, <coughs> did, yeah, it just occurred to me, did H.W. figure out he was a fake? Is that why he tried to I don't know. burn him in the middle of the night? I don't
2: know. His dad was in that same room, though, so.
1: Yeah, that's true. It almost looked like he had the line of accelerant going like to the got, guy's bed or yeah. whatever.
2: Well, I don't think you like the guy for yeah, whatever reason,
1: so Daniel is confronted with a choice then about what to do with this guy, who had apparently by the time he figured it out, the guy had been a decent worker for him and mm-hmm. stood by him and was was obviously on his side as he was pursuing his goals and stuff, but he had lied to him and and been deceitful. And that was just too much for him. Yeah. And so it was just. He's about, the only
2: one that can lie and be deceitful. Right.
1: For him, it was just about doing what he needed to do, what he felt like he needed mm-hmm. to do, and what was right in that moment, for mm-hmm. him. And then, so then I think we come to point four, and point four the biblical covenant is sanctions and and. Uh, oaths and sanctions, what does it cost to be part of this covenant? What do you get for obeying? What do you get for disobeying? And in terms of fiction and the stories that were being told, we want to ask, does, does everybody get rewarded in a manner that's consistent with the previously stated views on transcendence and, and ethics and, and all of that? Is it consistent? And I guess we've already mentioned the fact that Daniel Plainview winds up losing everything and kind of going crazy. He's obviously at the end of the movie, he's a big drunk. And mm-hmm. and like you say, he's attained all the wealth and riches that he had been wanting the whole time, but it was all kind of just empty and mm-hmm. it was all just background And
2: it was all about the image. So he had,
1: yeah,
2: I mean, to look at the house, to look at where he was, to look that he had people in his house helping him or serving him, uh, it looked like he had everything, but he really didn't. He really didn't. It was a big empty home,
1: right? And then uh, Daniel or not Daniel, but Eli Sunday for me, he got what he deserved in terms of. I mean, maybe in the story, it was a little bit excessive for Daniel to murder him, but you know, I'm thinking from a biblical standpoint of biblical ethics, the uh, the end of the false prophet should be that he gets put to death, you know, yeah. so I didn't shed any tears, no,
2: when... and I don't think anybody
1: when Eli yeah. got murdered. But it it was murder. That wasn't a a righteous judicial act or anything. That really was an act of murder. But but did he deserve to die for his crimes? Yeah, he really did. And so I didn't feel bad for him. So he had that coming. And I thought it was in in point four of the covenant we talk about taking our oaths and making our confessions of faith I just really felt like he proved in that scene before he got murdered you know Daniel forced him to make that confession that he was a false prophet and that his God wasn't real I think uh, the fact that he was willing to make that confession proved who he was now he did get forced Uh, well did he really get forced? He, if he wanted the money, yeah, he was gonna have to make that confession.
2: Well, but the whole reason that uh, Eli goes to Daniel is to begin with is because, well, you're my brother. You know, you made this confession, however oh. many years ago, that you're a sinner, and <laughs> you know, you want to be clean, and and you know, they both knew what was up with that yeah, time. Exactly. But, He's going to come back and try to use that over this man. And that was just stupid of him yeah, to begin with.
1: Well, he was desperate. He just yeah. had lost all his money or whatever. And so at least in terms of the story, it was obvious in that moment where his idol really was, who his God really was. And it was status and power and money.
2: Oh, it was always that. You're right. It,
1: only now it's just it's a public confession now. Shouted out repeatedly. If he had been a, a true man of faith he'd have just said, Well, there's no way I'm gonna been confess there. that.
2: Yeah. He wouldn't have been there to see him.
1: In fact he tried to say that at the beginning. Oh I can't say that. It would be a lie. Well, maybe I can say that. You know uh, so I thought that was that was interesting. That was kind of a covenantal moment. There as he shouts out his oath, and I think it wound up I think it wound up being more true than he wanted to say that it was you know
2: yeah
1: and then we come to point five of the covenant, which is succession and what do we see for the future of the characters here and my hope is like we talked about that h w maybe Maybe departing from his father means departing from the whole the whole kind of hamster wheel of chasing after power and and destroying yourself in the process. You know, the fact that he was able to find the strength to leave and and get out of his father's house. Yeah. Maybe that means good things for him. Moving on.
2: He was staying in the business though, so (laughs) Yeah, he's still in the business. Yeah. But now he was the enemy instead of his son, so
1: And then the other guy to think about is Daniel Hightower and what's coming his way. Well, does he have enough money to buy his way out of Plainview? Daniel, what did I say? High tower. Daniel, high <laughs> I was like, Daniel, Plainview <laughs> makes high towers. I was
2: uh, like, who's this? <laughs> yeah. so, Freudian
1: slip there. Yeah. Uh, so, does Plainview have enough money to get out of the consequences for committing murder?
2: Yeah, I don't know. And I didn't even it didn't even really set well with me how the movie ended. Yeah. That you know the last line is I'm done now. I'm finished. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Finished with what? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
2: So you know, the whole thing was just kind of like, uh, what
1: was it? Was that a signal that at some point his whole purpose was to prove himself superior to Eli Sunday, or
2: I don't know. It was it was a crazy ride.
1: Because he was drinking his milkshake, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I don't know. But uh, interesting to think that somebody sees people like that. People with power as, you know, abusive, yeah, controlling, manipulative, you know, yeah, all bad images and connotations with power of any sort. It's all a guy's.
1: Yeah, it uh, kind of goes back to... What old Lord Voldemort said in the first Harry Potter. It's really what he said there, kind of represents the transcendent theme of this movie, yeah. where he said that uh, all there is, there's no good or evil. There's just power, and those two. Yeah, whether or not you're strong enough to pursue it. Yeah. That was kind of what was going on here. So Voldemort and Daniel Plainview probably would have got along pretty well. I don't
2: know. There can only be one. They'd have been rivals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that's
1: another movie. (laughs) (laughs) There can only be one. (laughs) It's all connected really. Uh. All right. Well I guess that about exhausts it for me. I'll reiterate, I did think that the soundtrack was weird, but I came to believe that there was a purpose to it. Yeah. And, and once I, once I think I realized what the purpose was, I, and maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but when I thought I realized what the purpose was,
2: <laughs> when you made it connection. made me feel
1: like, hey, that's kind of a creative thing that they didn't try to do there. And I appreciated that. So good points. I liked the acting. Yeah. <laughs> and. Even the guy that played Eli Sunday did a good job at making me hate him, you know, and yeah. and want him to get what was coming to him. And so the acting was good. I thought the, the production was good. Production quality was good.
2: It seemed and, a little low budget to me. Yeah. But that was probably intentional maybe it worked
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like i say i felt like they tried to do something out of the ordinary and Mm. and you know i just don't like a story that doesn't have a clear hero somebody that you can root for it's it's hard to get involved in that story i think yeah and this movie kind of proves that a little bit for me
2: yeah i you don't really know anything about uh, his background for Daniel, what he's doing, why he's there. Yeah. I mean, you just are plopped into another world and you're <laughs> right. like, what's going on? And and like you said, there's just no dialogue for the longest time. Even at places where, oh, they're probably going to say something here because something's <laughs> going on. And there's like nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing. And uh, and so it's a little disconcerting and it's a different way of, of telling a story. Yeah. Um. Would I recommend the movie to somebody else? Probably not. <laughs> um, no, was, I
1: think I wouldn't either.
2: It was just a little too different for me.
1: I think the only way I would recommend it is just because it is a little bit different. And it it would be in the sense of, you ought to watch this and just see see what you think. and Yeah. Do you think it's as weird as I thought it was? <clears throat> that kind of thing. All right. There you go. And I think that next week we're looking at doing our first reality TV show. Oh,
2: that could be interesting. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And, in fact, I think we've got a couple of those maybe on the way. So that'll be fun. A little bit different. And... So, I guess I'm good if you're good. Are you I ready think, to go?
2: I think I'm done.
1: All right. I'm finished now. <laughs> <laughs> I am finished. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, nobody's made it all the way to the end of this broadcast, I'm fairly sure. But <laughs> for those of you who are still here, thank you. And uh and we want to encourage you, as always, to be covenantal in your thinking, in what's being preached to you, and also to go out and be covenantal in your oh. creative endeavors. So, uh, glory be to God, and go out there and take dominion for the sake of Jesus. All right. Praise God. We'll ta- see you all uh, well. Yeah.
2: Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. (laughs) All right, (laughs) bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks.